the other day posted archive on Facebook and someone commented saying archive.com. Wow. That looks expensive. These guys must be legit. Let's talk about this. So did archive.com, did you guys launch with that domain? Was that something you guys have picked up recently? Is there a kind of a funny or interesting story there? Spill the beans. We didn't actually launch with archive.com. So early, early on, we had a code name called eag.la, and then we swapped over to archive.ai, which we were actually super excited. But we you know, had our eyes on archive.com. And one of the reasons we wanted to call ourselves archive was because it was very relevant to the work we were doing. And we felt like it explained our you know, company and mission pretty well. But it's like a really nice English word. And it was surprising that nobody has used the .com, right? And so we're like, hey, we definitely want to get it. So um, we worked with a lot of brokers and a lot of negotiation to get it to get it sorted. But I think we're just super pumped about the domain. I mean, as soon as we flipped it, we just saw SEO going through the roof. And I remember looking at our Google Analytics. I forgot that we had done the migration and we went from you know hundreds of users a day to literally thousands of users a day just because there were a bunch of old backlinks. And one of the funny things about switching to archive.com is that it was really close to when we opened up our wait list for archive app. So we just started getting our users and we started getting a lot of complaints in our customer support saying, hey, I want a refund. I want a refund. Like this is a scammy service. Like what's going on? And it turns out that people were Googling archive because maybe they signed up for something else called archive landing and archive.com and then hitting our support. Cause we kept on, you know, looking at the logs and be like, Hey, what's your Shopify store? What's your Shopify store? And people are like, we don't use Shopify. Like I signed up on my iPhone. So we had some like interesting, like the first like five to six, I was like, Hey guys, like we got to give these guys refunds. Like what's going on? Like, why is our support so bad? And it's like, no, no, no. They're literally just random people emailing like archive.com support for different things. So see, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's funny. Archive.com is incredible. Probably one of the coolest domains. So congrats. Thank let's, you. Yeah. It's very easy to spell. We're pumped about that. Amazing. And kind of like on that note, like let's shift gears. So like you work with a bunch of really cool seven, eight, nine figure e-commerce brands. Uh, what are you seeing on what we'd call, I guess, the community marketing side? I think that's kind of something you guys talk about. And how does Archive fit into that? So what are some tactics or things that brands are doing around content or top of the funnel or creative? And where does Archive fit into that? Yeah, so what we work with over 200 Shopify Plus brands now on different aspects of community marketing. And we've seen a really, really big shift because of two big events that happened. Number one is this recession or recession to be. And so we're seeing a lot of budgets shift from brand marketing and creating just content and awareness to being very, very focused on performance. So now it's almost as if community marketing now reports under performance marketing and people care about return on ad spend. They care about how efficient it is. And so they're running community programs that they can attribute more quickly. So that's one big trend. And we can talk about some tactics to make that happen. The second big trend is that Facebook is still really, really hard for brands. You know, we things got pretty chill during COVID and then people got a little bit more, um, you know, ease and lower CPMs. But ever since then, it's been tanking. It's been really, really hard for brands to continue to spend efficiently on Facebook. And ever since, you know, iOS 14.5, we've seen performance continue to go down and down. And so we're still seeing people try to shift their budgets away from Facebook and into other channels, as you know, email marketing, SMS, and community marketing is a really big one, right? And so community marketing is awesome. It works. However, the big challenge with it, it's, it's super manual and DIY. 
we talk to brands and they have like eight interns, they have eight full-time people and they're churning and it's, they're using Google sheets and all these pieces of software. So it's super DIY and hard to put together. And, you know, our mission archive is to build software to help automate all that stuff and build essentially an operating system that brands can use to run successful community marketing programs. And so we have one product called archive app that helps collect all of the output, all of the UGC, the stories that feed posts, the TikToks that your community is creating. We help you capture that. It's freemium, super easy to use. And then it makes it really easy to find the UGC you're looking for. And our second product is called Archive Communities, and it helps you recruit influencers. So instead of DMing hundreds of influencers every day or every week, uh, we can take that all off your plate and run that you know, for you. So that's where we help. And I think a couple of things that we've seen at a high level, Jason, then maybe we can dig down on some tactics is um, things are moving way more to you know, attributable community marketing. So people are leveraging coupon codes, post-purchase surveys for attribution a lot more. Um, We're seeing gifting programs still work, but they're a little bit more competitive. And we're seeing a ton of success right now with community marketing, you know, content and output. So these Instagram, um, you know, posts, these TikTok videos getting repurposed on those platforms, especially with Spark ads right now. So Spark ads are working for a lot of brands and we're seeing great, great, great success there. I love it. So on the first one, the archive.com, is it as simple as a brand will store all the assets on your platform as long as they're tagged? So if someone tags, let's say, at Chase Diamond, it'll basically automatically across Instagram, TikTok, and any other platforms store my content? Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Um, One of the big pain points with social media platforms, especially with ephemeral content, I mean, the blessing is that there's so much content out there. Creators are creating a lot more. And so you have all this value. But the curse is that there's so much of it and it disappears. And so a lot of brands that care about this content, they're out here screenshotting this stuff manually on the weekends and whatnot. So our archive can automatically detect anytime you're tagged on Instagram, stories, real feed posts, as well as TikToks, and will automatically capture and save that content for you. So the great thing is that it's all in one place and you can take your weekend off, take 4th of July off, and then come back and see all your UGC in one place. And you have a bunch of tools to help you search that content, label it, create folders, share it with your agencies. We also have content rights workflows. So you can automatically, you know, request content rights to really help build some tools so that we can shortcut a lot of the, we call community operations processes that are not so fun. Love it. Let's dive into some like tactics, tips, tricks, insights. So um, right now, like with, in terms of the creative, is most of the creative that you guys are seeing being kind of collected and stored? Uh, is it like static photos? Is it uh, videos? And then of that, how are those platforms kind of being seen? Like, are most people getting content and kind of sharing it on TikTok? Is it Instagram Reels? Is it Instagram Stories? Like, across like the 200 plus brands you work with, like, what's like the most popular content type? And like, what are the most popular platforms? And like, maybe kind of some tips on those platforms. So the most popular platform is still Instagram right now in terms of like the net volume of influencers that are posting. So if you're trying to get a lot of content, a lot of broad content, Instagram is a really great place to start because there's so many influencers. You can gift a lot of them. And, and, and again, it's, it's super easy to find influencers on Instagram and get in touch with them. Yeah. TikTok is by far the best performing one right now. And the content on TikTok is superior. So it's going to be maybe a little bit more expensive you know, to create each piece of content. Maybe you have to work with creators. Maybe you have to pay them. But because of the algorithm and how it works... Um, creators are really incentivized to work hard to make a piece of content that's actually going to go viral and work. And if you can do that, typically you'll get way higher quality content. And so 
that content on TikTok, we see typically outperforms all other pieces of content on, you know, paid social, whether that's paid on TikTok through Spark ads or paid on, you know, Instagram. So if I were just going to do one thing right now is I would gift or pay a bunch of creators on TikTok. And the great thing is that you're going to get some organic traction. You're going to get some organic impressions and views. And then, um, you know, make sure you get rights to that content and repurpose that content, not just on TikTok ads, but also do it on TikTok Spark ads, because we actually see that TikTok Spark ads are really, really outperforming regular TikTok ads right now. It's very similar to a few years ago when Instagram just launched whitelisting and there was like a big, you know, alpha to, you know, be one of the first brands to do whitelisting. That's a really, really good opportunity. And so we've been helping brands with that. Um, but the actual TikTok content will typically perform like some of your best Facebook ads creatives, right? So you can actually just, you know, crop it a little bit or cut it a little bit so that it's shorter and it's a better format for IG stories and then run ads there. And that can work really well. We're also seeing brands do all sorts of things with that content, right? You know, run it on your SMS campaigns, you, you know, run this on your, e- run this on your email campaigns. Chase, I, I'm, I've seen a bunch of the, your emails that just drop in a bunch of UGC instead of your boring white product shots. Right. Um, and so once you have that content and get rights to it, you can deploy it in a ton of interesting ways. I love it. Couple questions. This next question might be a little bit too much in the weeds, but uh, in terms of like how brands are structuring deals specifically on TikTok with influencers, is it like a pay, is it like a pay per post? Um, are they paying based off performance? Like if this video gets this many likes or this many views or this many comments, do you have any sense of like how brands are typically structuring those deals? Like, is it just I'll pay you X for this video, or it's kind of like uh, it depends in, depends on the performance. The majority of deals we're seeing right now are still pay for content. And so you either pay for a post, if it goes well, maybe you pay for a couple of posts. And then sometimes there's additional fees for content rights. Um, We're seeing very, very little sophistication and thoughtfulness across brands and creators to structure different terms. The thing is that it's still pretty hard to aggregate and manage all that data. So if you're like, hey, we'll pay you for performance and you'd go, you know, run some reports on the back end, right? Whereas if you're just doing it based on content, it's kind of like one and done. We see huge amounts of negotiation happening. So um, if you are a brand and you are looking to work with creators, just know that that is a fact, right? Like some creators that have more deals are going to charge a little bit more. Um, We also see creators going massively down in their rates, especially for brands that they're excited about. And we also see a ton of opportunity with some of these fresh uh, TikTokers that just haven't run that many brand deals, one, two, three brand deals, and that have lower rates because you know they just don't have that track record, right? And so if you're a brand, the interesting thing with TikTok is that unlike Instagram, where it's pretty predictable what outcome you're going to get based on the influencer you work with, big proven influencer with great conversions, you're going to get that, you're going to get that, right? You don't get like 1 million stories one time and 1,000 story views another time, right? Um, but with TikTok, you do. And so we actually see micro influencers and nano influencers on TikTok be even more powerful because they're oftentimes going to want to put in extra work for you to prove themselves. They're going to have a lower cost because, you know, they're just starting up and you still have the ability to kind of like leverage the algorithm and, and hope your content goes viral and gets seen to more people. And when you run it as a Spark ad, it can still perform just as good as some of the bigger creators. So there's really, really great value in, in that strategy. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point on TikTok, right? Like on Instagram, maybe you would pay like the Kardashians 500000 for a post, right? But on TikTok, right, you might want to divide up that similar budget across 
hundreds, if not thousands of different TikTokers, just because the chance of a few of them going viral is probably pretty high, right? So it's kind of a number scheme. Uh, Kind of on a slight pivot, is anything happening in e-commerce on YouTube shorts? I see some people like in the info and the B2B and the coaching space doing kind of YouTube shorts and having some success there. Are you seeing any e-commerce brand leveraging that or not yet? Um, we, we, we have some brands starting to pilot it and, and get some traction, um, in terms of views. We haven't seen like a ton on that yet. I think YouTube shorts is interesting, but it definitely feels like a disconnected platform than YouTube yeah. itself. Right. Like there's no kind of like link in bio and shopping and things like that. So I think it's very interesting. I think brands, if they have like a testing budget, especially if they're looking at awareness, I think that could be a really, really good channel. Cause look, I mean, YouTube is obviously just juicing them and boosting them. Like we've seen it again, this is something that we see time and time again with social platforms. One platform launches a feature that just rips and then other platforms clone it. And then they have so much belief in it that they want, and they want to catch up that they're actually going to uh, prefer that content over the regular content on the platform. And since the brand is boosting that you know algorithm for that format and there's way less comp- competition way fewer people are posting shorts than are posting youtube videos then those videos kind of like really really take off when you think of like the youtube creator ecosystem there's very very few creators compared to instagram right so think about all the people creating reels and then think about all the youtubers there's way more people creating reels and so yeah. if you actually start on youtube and create real uh, and create shorts that's i think an interesting opportunity yeah, I feel like if you're already making the content for TikTok, like you might as well distribute it on YouTube Shorts, on Instagram, and, and wherever it, else. And it's funny because like all these platforms like favor content created on their own platform and they like look out for um, you know, they look out for like watermarks and whatnot. And so I mean, when we run paid campaigns for for brands, one of the tricks we do on TikTok is we'll we'll have a post crush it for seven days, five to seven days max. It's very, very short-lived. And we'll actually just do like quick edits of the photo, add like a filter and then relaunch it. And then it like lives again for like four or five days, right? But if you relaunch the same creative, so, you know, all these, you know, algorithms have these little gates and whatnot to try to protect people from reusing, relaunching content and moving it cross platform because they want to encourage people to create first on Instagram or first on TikTok. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, One or two more questions I have. Do you have any data or stats on like, brands leveraging UGC versus brands like doing expensive photo shoots or videography shoots where you can kind of tell that one's organic and the other one's kind of paid. Do you have any data on like, if those go head to head with similar budgets and similar targeting, like is the UGC going to outperform the other? Like, do you have any sense of like, I know it's kind of a hard question to answer like UGC versus like, it's obvious that a brand is doing kind of a photo shoot or a video shoot with, you know, models. Yeah. So it depends on the channel and and what works, right? I think there's definitely some cases where on Instagram, like that kind of content will work well. Um, The challenge is that it has to be executed really, really, really well. Um, There's a big difference between a well-executed brand shoot and campaign versus kind of like a ghetto one that's just like not fully fleshed out, right? And those shoots cost tens of thousands of dollars potentially, and you have to create the landing pages and whatnot. You have way for your assets to iterate on. So um, that can still perform. It really just depends on the brand and the audience and the channel. On TikTok, I have really not seen that work well, Um, but I have seen brands work very, very closely with creators to create, um, you know, and actually have like studio shoots with creators and do something really, really special and unique, but it doesn't look like your usual Nike ad that's like super branded or whatnot. Um, I think again, like a great example here is the the Montclair campaign that they did with with Bella Porch and et cetera. Like it felt very, very branded, but it also had a lot of that kind of like TikTok 
you know, rawness and authenticity. Um, but that was like super, super produced and they did a great job there. So again, I think it just depends on the brand. I mean, some brands just will not do UGC because they care about like a, a high fashion brand. They care about who's wearing it and the style. And it's just like a blocker. Some brands will have success with both. Um, and I think for kind of like earlier stage, scrappier brands, you can just move way faster with UGC, run way more tests that um, I think even from that perspective, it's just hard to compete. I love it. The last question I have is like, if someone's listening to this and they're kind of considering archive.com, who would be a good fit for the platform? Is it someone that's doing a certain amount of revenue? Is it someone that's maybe getting a certain number of influencers posting weekly, monthly, quarterly? Like, how do you think about a brand that might be a good fit for archive.com? Yeah. So especially for archive app, if you're on Shopify and you either have some people tagging you on Instagram or TikTok, or you're about to launch a product and expect it, um, you can sign up for archive app. There's a free trial with the code chase 200 generous yes. chase here, helping you guys out. Um, you'll actually get your first 200 posts for free. So if you're a small, you know, store just getting started, you can just set up archive app in the background and you know that the robots will be saving your UGC over the weekend in case something does happen and, and people start posting. And if you're a larger brand and you're getting a ton of UGC, then I think the use case is more imminent and obvious where instead of having manual workflows to collect manage that content, you really want to streamline that and automate it so you can centralize it all in one place and help your team leverage it in different ways. Heck yeah. So you can find archive at archive.com. And then where can people find you personally online? Uh, Twitter at Benny Jerry, B-E-N-I-G-E-R-I. Sweet. All right, I'll link that up. I appreciate you, man. All right, great to chat, Chase. Cheers.